Thank you all. Sounded fantastic. <clears throat> Be talking a lot about how things sound today because, uh, well, my wife is away for the next week anyway. And um, last night was a, a long night. I, I was going to bring my coffee up here today because I, I have a feeling I might need it. Uh, our dog knew something was wrong. That she, Our dog knew that she was not home. So every time there was a noise, <clears throat> it was bark, 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 and run to the door to see she must be here, right? Somebody who's going to give me the treats and fix my breakfast the way I like to have it fixed. Uh, not mine, his. He was thinking him. Uh, he's only thinking of himself, I assure you. Uh, finally, it at some point in the night, I had to just close the door and just, you stay in here with me or you go stay out there, I don't care, but you're not, I'm tired of this, I can't get any sleep. So it made me aware that like how, how alive he was to the change that happened in the house, right, when she wasn't there. Um, <clears throat> I was planning to tell you a story about our horse, right, who notices things the same way. Like, and horses, their ears are kind of like, you know, satellite dishes. They just kind of, they're always roaming around for something. And as soon as they hear anything, they're like, Boom, there it is. And, and they don't wonder, like they don't wait to see if it's a problem, right? As soon as they hear it, they're like, oh, you know. So Michelle and I, we rode on Friday and, and little uh, yellow butterflies were everywhere. Apparently this horse had never seen little yellow butterflies. Because <laughs> every, like, 100 yards or so, she's... <laughs> you know, like, oh my goodness, what is that? And it was just another yellow butterfly, and it kind of got comical. But first couple times it happened, you know, we were going down a hill or coming up one, and yeah, she almost unloaded me. Uh, so, but she didn't. But how aware she was and how ready she was to respond to anything that she heard or saw, right? It's going to just put that in your pocket. It's going to come back to you later on, uh, especially if you said, oh yeah, I understand that. Okay, all right, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Today we're going to talk about listening, and <clears throat> if I were to ask you, why is listening such a big deal? Why is hearing such a big deal? <clears throat> you probably understand, right, that we've seen it, that marriages fail when two people who have shared the most intimate parts of their lives stop, right? We've seen how that happens. We've seen how businesses that, that start out bounded by the most creative, energetic entrepreneurs fail when they stop listening to customers and their competition. We've seen how churches in our community die when they stop listening to their community and God's voice calling them to do something, to move. We've seen every year parents and kids, their relationship fractures when, when for some, one reason or another, they refuse or are unable to hear one another. And something happens and it breaks them apart, and they never seem to be able to get over whatever that was to get back together. Family members will just talk right past one another. Why do we do that? I have no idea. We just talk right past one another because we want to be heard, and nobody's listening, right? Happens all the time. Happens all the time. When relationships break down, it leads to loneliness, right? We, we're isolated. We, we, no one is around, and we're by ourselves. If I were to ask you the, the loneliest people in our society today, we'd probably be tempted to think of, well, it's probably widowers uh, or people that have never been married before. They're probably the loneliest people in our society, but that's wrong. You would be wrong if you thought that. <clears throat> a study in the University of Nebraska recently studied uh, to find out who are the loneliest people, the li lo loneliest group in our society. 
And you'd never believe who they found out they were. They didn't believe it either. Teenagers, young adults. Teenagers and young adults are the loneliest people in our society. We're not really going to get into why, but I think a lot of it has to do with they don't feel like they're being heard in a lot of ways. They don't feel like, they don't, they're not aware of anybody listening to them, and so they feel lonely. Lonely. It's a reality in our lives, and, and just like in our human relationships, right, it, it's real in our spiritual relationships as well. But, but to help you be a better listener, right, whenever I talk to a, a couples or or a, an individual, whether it's counseling or anything else, where I always start is relationships. How do, how do we listen better, right? Something I've, <laughs> I'm learning to do better, right? But I just want to give you some, some easy little one-offs that, that these you can kind of jot down if you want to remember them or if you want to tell somebody. Uh, <laughs> this is good, good little nuggets of gold that, uh, that you can... First, make eye contact. Look at the person who's talking to you, right? We know that. Pay attention, like focus on them. Don't look at, oh, wow, look at the ceiling. No, that doesn't... That, that, that shows that you're not listening, right? Yeah. Make eye contact. Second, don't interrupt. Let them talk. Even though you have a great response, you have a funny joke, a story that fits right in with what notes. Don't. Listen. Don't interrupt. Third, rephrase things as you can. When they give you an opportunity, like you hear what they say and you rephrase it and say, is that right? Is that what, is that what you think? Do you really believe that whatever it is? Rephrase it. Echo it back to them, and that way they hear what they hear, their own thoughts. They're like, oh, they're, they're really listening to me. But, but no, that's wrong. <laughs> that's not what I said at all, right? That's okay, because you're listening, you're trying to communicate that you're listening, right? What's another one? Pay attention to nonverbal cues. You know, most of our communication is by the, our expressions on our face and our body language, all that. So pay attention to, to their body language when you're listening to someone. Are, are they nervous? Are they worried about something? Are they... Are they upset? What, what's going on with them? All that tells you something. Last one, don't think while others talk. I know that's hard because, see, we listen at about 160 words a minute, and our brains work at about six, 800 words per minute. So, so our brains can work much faster than our mouths or our ears, and so we fill in the gaps, right? I don't know about you, but we fill in the gaps, and, and man, I'm already thinking of stuff that I'm going to do later on today. While I'm talking to you right now, I'm thinking about stuff I'm going to do, and it's just, it's not, that's not effective. Don't think when you listen. Stop thinking so much. My wife tells me that all the time. Stop thinking so much. Just listen to me, right? Just listen. How does my wife know I'm not listening? Because you can't see listening, can you? You can, can't you? You can't see listening. You can see people who are listening. That's what Jesus tells his parable about. Because this isn't a a new problem. This isn't just a problem for the the 21st century. This isn't a a modern-day problem. This was an eternal problem, to listen spiritually and to listen relationally. So Jesus tells this parable where we are in Luke chapter 8. He jumps in with kind of an odd uh, introduction here. After this, you remember after what he was doing last week, he was having dinner with a Pharisee. A woman came in, a woman of sin, right, came in and washed his hair with her... Washed wash his feet with her hair, rather. Let me get the story straight. Thank you, Beverly. <laughs> she gave me that. What? <laughs> amen, amen. So, so she washed his feet with her hair, poured perfume on him, and now Jesus goes out, traveling from one town to another. He goes on tour, the Jesus tour, right? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? He goes on tour. The 12 are when the disciples are with him. And it tells us in verse 2, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, 
from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, many others, many other women who who were there, and probably other men who were there. This is probably a a band of followers, maybe 20 people, maybe maybe 30. We don't know. I mean, but but a, a good gathering of folk who are following Jesus as he goes from town to town. It's an important thing. These women, these women that were with him were helping to support them out of their own means. So we might be tempted as we read this to say, well, these women, they, were, they didn't have anybody to rely on. They didn't have any help, so they were just kind of tagging along for a free meal. That wasn't it at all. They were investing in the ministry of Jesus. They were, they were making the ministry what it, able to function. I say that. I say that because oftentimes we think of the essential ministries, right, of the church. As those who are in leadership, maybe you think of the organist or the preacher or your Bible school, your Bible study leader or a small group leader or a, a, a trustee or something. Those are, the, those are the important people. No. I mean, they, they're important, but they're not the most important. There, there is no, other than Christ, there is no most important. They're all essential. Right? There are people in this room who, who are silent and completely devoted, and you can tell by, the, by your giving by how generous you are to your church. You may not have the time to serve in all these different places, but you figured out a long time ago, one thing I can do is give. And we have people who give to this church who don't even come. Why? Because they're invested in the church. They pray and they give. That's what they can do. And they do it faithfully. And I, it's all this to say thank you. All this to say thank you for those of you who, regardless of how much you give, if you support the ministry of this church, I want you to see that, that the ministry of this church depends. I mean, we're a nonprofit, right? That means we don't sell things to provide for ourselves. We, we, we sell things. The, the, the yard sale thing that we're doing is to give that away. We're not, we're not keeping that for ourselves. We're giving that away. That's all we want to do. But we do have electric bills. We do have gas bills. And because of the generation, generosity of some of you and many others, we're able to do ministry. So I just want to say thank you for that. Jesus continues in the story. This awkward open he has. A large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. And he told them this parable. He told them a, ter- a parable that was kind of describing his crowd. What was happening, right? He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. Some fell on the path. It was trampled on. And the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop and a hundred times more than what was sown. When he, said, when he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This isn't a parable about farming. This is a parable about hearing. This is a parable about hearing. That's what I want us to see today. It's a well-known parable, right? Well-known parable. That it's in all four Gospels, and, and it's probably one that we've all heard or kind of thought about before, right? Telling a story to an agrarian economy. Every one of his listeners would have an idea of, okay, I get what this telling the story of sowing seed. I get it. I mean, we, we know what it looks like to, to raise a garden, right? I mean, most of us do in this community as well, but, but that's, that's actually not what, that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's not telling the story so they would understand it. That's how we often think of Jesus told parables to connect with the average man. No. No. He's 
telling a parable to hide the truth from those who aren't looking for it. We think, would Jesus actually do that? Would he disguise the truth? Well, he says so. Hello. He says so. Verse 9 says, his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? Jesus says, well, let me tell you. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. They ask, Jesus, why do you tell us these stories? And Jesus says, well, it's so I can tell who's listening. It's like when, when your spouse asks you one of those questions, or somebody asks you one of those questions. I was just seeing if you were paying attention. That's kind of what Jesus is doing here. And we, we don't want to think that Jesus would ever do that, right? He would never want to separate people, but that's exactly what he's doing. He's, he's culling the crowd. He's separating the crowd. He's saying, these are the people who are listening, and those are the people. When I, was, I served at a previous church, and there was a, a chicken farmer who came there, and uh, that was his home church, and man, he slept every Sunday. I mean, I didn't fault him for it, but, but I mean, it was just a running joke that, man, you almost made it today. You know, I'd always tease him about it. But it was, it was just kind of a, it was a comical thing that, he, that we had. But, but he was faithful to his church, but, man, he just could not. He, you know, he was up all night, all night long, so it was, it was a, a fight for him. But you can always tell who's listening. Jesus says, that's why I'm using this parable, is that I can tell who gets it and who doesn't by telling this parable. And that's what he's describing to them. Just like in our earthly relationships. You can see it. You can see listening, even though you can't see it. Why do some people respond to God's word? Why do some people hear it and others don't? That's what this parable is about. That we have a, a big crowd of people here. There's my 20 or so followers who, who obviously they see it. See, this, this parable, this, this teaching is actually a word of encouragement to them. This is going to wind up to be an encouraging word to those of you who hear and understand. To everyone else, maybe it'll give you some clarity on why you don't understand. So why do people respond the way they do? The parable is the answer to this question. He starts off, verse, four, verse uh, 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Jesus says, I'm just throwing out the seed here, right? He's just broadcasting the seed, just tossing it out. And a lot of it, and it falls on everybody, but a lot of it is, is on the path. And on the path is where the people who, who hear but don't understand its meaning, their hearts are like the path. That's what he's saying. Their, 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 their souls are like the path. Their hearts are like the path. It's hardened. Because people have just been walking up and down. It's got, been a high traffic area, right? It's not going to grow anything unless you do a lot of work to it. Their hearts are hardened by doubt, by skepticism, by anger, by resentment. Maybe that feels familiar to you. These are folks who don't hear because they can't hear. The pain of their life is louder than God's word. They can't hear it. They can't hear because sin has a hold on them. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
Pray for one another that you may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I mean, the fact of the matter is that, that I don't think these people want to be hard-hearted, but they are because of the experiences of life. And since they're unable to or unwilling to let go, they're unable to hear. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verses, in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, the gospel, he said this, the gospel is veiled to those who are dying. It's hidden from people who are dying. He says, he goes on in verse 4, and this is, a good, this is good for some of us. The, the God of this age, the God of this age, right? Not, not the Lord of heaven, but the God of this age. The, the things that, that call us to worship it, right? Everything that captures our heart in this world. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. They're blinded by sin. They can't see. It's not that they don't want to see, it's that they can't. Now, keep in mind now, these soils that, the, where the seed falls in this parable, these are descriptions of, of where we might be. Where may, you might be today. You might find yourself today being kind of hard-hearted about that, unable to, to really accept what Jesus is saying here because you're being hard, you are hard-hearted. But that doesn't, that's not a, a destiny. I just want to say that. that. That we move, we're like hardened soil, right? So, so one season of life, you may be like hardened soil, and another season of life, you may like, be like a different soil. You may change in your life. These aren't destinations for us. These are experiences of life. that We are like this right now, or we're like that right now. So don't get caught up in thinking, oh, well, I have no hope, because because there is always hope. There is always hope. So if you are hard-hearted, or if you know someone, you love someone who is hard-hearted, what can you do? What can you do if you have a loved one or you are hard-hearted? What can you do? Look for God's grace to break in. How do you do that? Pray. Pray. And if it's somebody else, love them. Pray and love. And then, when you do that, do it again. Pray and love. <laughs> Just repeat. Put that on a loop that you continually pray and love and pray and love because you can't change them. You can't save them. You can't be faithful for them. They have to, they have to deal with their own hard-heartedness. God wants to help, absolutely, but they have to deal with it. What you can do is pray. And love. And pray and love. There will be a time, I believe, when God's grace breaks through. But right now, their hearts won't allow it. But that's not the final say. That doesn't get the, death doesn't get the final word. God does. Jesus continues. Verse 13. Those seed that fall on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. This is like, you know, the seed in your, the, the, your driveway, the edges of your driveway. It's a gravel, right? It's rocky soil, but the grass still grows in the springtime, right? All along that gravel drive, right? But when it gets hot in the summer, what does it do? It dies out, right? It fades back into the soil, right? Why? Because it didn't have any, there was nothing there to sustain it. 
It, there was nothing there to sustain it. It was shallow. Shallow commitment. They don't have a root. They don't have any depth to them. So they can't survive. That seed that, that falls there, sure, it'll sprout up, but it, it, it won't amount to anything. It's temporary. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark records an additional couple of words here. He says, in the same parable, he says, Since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution come, because of the word, they quickly fall away. In other words, Jesus is looking out in the crowd and he said, some people hear me and they get it. When they see the healings, they hear the teachings, they're like, oh, thank you, Lord. And they lift their hands in praise and, and they're all excited about everything. And as soon as they walk away and somebody challenges their faith or says, you know what, it's really, you can't be doing that or like challenges their faith in any way. They, they're like, uh, uh, I'm good. You're right. I, I don't, I don't, I'm out. I'm not, no. I remember back when we were, uh, when I was a kid, right? People would, would say things in my life that I knew to be true. And yet the moment I got around my friends, whatever. Why? Because I was shallow. I was shallow. I had no root. I, I couldn't live it out because I had nothing to live. I had no life in me. It's not just kids. Some adults are that way today. They come, they hear, the Spirit convicts them. But when God's word challenges their life, or when someone challenges what God has told them about their identity, they, they turn something on TV that tells them what you really need to live for is this, and they're like, you know, that's probably right. And they back off. They walk away, and their faith withers and dies. Third type of response to God's word is the seed that fell among the thorns. It stands for those who hear, but as they go their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. See, finally, we get in some soil that'll grow something. That's the, the best part about this. Finally, we get in some soil that'll grow something. Now, today, we have, you know, you go by Kurt's farm, and, man, the, the rows look crystal clean. Man, it is like, you don't see a weed anywhere, right? Amen? That's because he dumps all kinds of chemicals out there and kills everything, right? But except those things that'll grow. And praise be to God, we get to eat good food because of it, right? That's not how they farmed back then. What, the way they farmed back then is they would go into the field before the, 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 the spring plants had flowered and seeded, and they would scatter their seed, just broadcast their seed. And then they would come back and till the ground. And in that way, they'd, they'd kill the... The, the weeds that had gotten an early start, and they would till in their seed at the same time. But apparently this ground, right, either got a late start or they didn't till it well, and so it has the, the weeds growing up with the seed. The thorns are growing with the seed. Today, while, you know, Kurt, we have all sorts of chemicals to take care of that stuff in our gardens today. The problem with life's worries, riches, and pleasures are that they are presented to us as the solution. Think about your life, right? Like everything tells you that what you need is this in order to have a better life. What you need is this in order to live longer, to be happier. These are the things you need. And what Scripture teaches us again and again and again is no, that's actually not what you need. That's actually far from what you need. 
See, this is a story, this is a passage about misplaced priorities. It's about investing ourselves in things that don't really matter. Matthew 6, Jesus teaches his followers that, that all they're worrying about stuff will do nothing to add value to their life. Right? He tells them, take up your cross and follow me. Don't worry about the things of this world. And Paul tells Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, those who want to be rich fall into temptation and a, and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people to ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, O man of God, he said, flee from all of this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. See, these distractions, these things that the world tells us are the most important part of living, are actually leading to your death. And, and the worst kind of death as well. A death with no fruit. Because we're all going to die. I mean, physically, like of this world. We're all going to experience death. We're not, we, our earthly life will end, like, just like the stalk of wheat. But what's the point of the stalk of wheat? It's to have a harvest, right? To have produce seed, produce fruit. And the worst shame of all is when that wheat or our lives, don't produce fruit. As we have received God's word, we just, we're, it's choked out of us. The fruit-producing ability of our lives is just squeezed out because we don't have the nutrients. All the nutrients that produce fruit are actually going to produce the other stuff. All the energy that would produce fruit, spiritual fruit in our lives is actually going to produce thorns, things that don't matter. So if your life is, is not marked by spiritual fruit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Not, not, well, I'm missing one of those. No, if your life is not marked by those, the fruit, that is one fruit of the Spirit, then you have some thorns in your life that are choking out what God wants to produce in you. What His Spirit, what His grace, is the whole purpose of it in our lives is to produce fruit. And if we're not then you got a thorn problem. Jesus then explains the fourth kind of soil. The fourth kind of person who's going to hear his voice. That seed falls on good soil. It stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and persevere, producing a crop. This seed falls on prepared soil. It's an open heart. So it's a heart that's open to hear what God is going to say. That it is eager to respond to, what, to God's voice. That's looking for God's voice, right? The soil didn't get prepared for nothing, right? It was prepared for God's fruit to be produced in his life, right? That was the whole point. These folks love Jesus. They love it. They, they retain it. They, they hold on to it. They, they they value it, that love for God. They seek to live it out, to show it to everybody else because they're so amazed by it. And Jesus does what, what some of us do in conversations is he mixes metaphors. 
Like, like he changes, like we're talking about seed and we're kind of getting it. We're like, yeah, okay, I understand that. And, and then he switches. He uses another parable to explain the explanation of a previous parable, which is like, what's, what's he doing? So he starts, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. It's kind of like, okay, we're talking about seed. Now, light, I don't get it. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. See, this is a parable about listening. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. So what's this all about? Nothing hidden that will be disclosed. I mean, we get the whole light, you put it up so everybody can see, but, but this, this passage here, verse 17, was one, when I was a kid, terrified me, right? Like, like my youth pastor, when I was a little kid, was, or when I was a teenager, he said that it's going to be like, when you get to heaven, God's going to put all your sins on a jumbotron, and everybody's going to see. Man, <laughs> let me tell you, for a, for a teenage boy who was doing a lot of stuff he ought not be doing, that was terrifying, Right? That was terrifying. When I was a 30-year-old man, it was still terrifying, right? And it took me a while to realize that that's not what he's saying here. I mean, that, that might happen. I don't know. But, but that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that you can't hide the fact that you're listening or not. You can't hide it. You can't hide the fact if you love God or not. It's going to be evident in your life if you love the Lord because you're gonna, the fruit of, of the Spirit is going to be evident in your life. People are going to notice just like people are going to notice if you're hard-hearted. People are going to notice if you're always griping and complaining. People are going to notice. People are going to notice if, you're, if, you, if you hang out in places where the Spirit wouldn't lead you to just make more of yourself. Like, the, like people are going to notice. People are going to know the Spirit is alive in you or not. Everything is brought out into the open. Nothing will be disclosed. It's not that it's going to be seen. But everybody, it's no point in showing it to everybody. They already know your life. They know who you are. You can't hide it. When the Spirit is alive in you, you can't hide it. You cannot hide it. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And then he says, whoever has, will be, more will be given. Whoever doesn't have, what they have will be taken. What's he talking about here? Whoever has, ears to hear. Whoever has, listening, they'll be given more. And whoever doesn't have ears to hear, more, even what they have will be taken from them. That's what he's saying. He's saying that, that, that lack of hearing will lead to death. You'll lose everything. But if we listen, if we hear God's word, if we hear and respond, then it makes a difference. He's ready to bless. He's prepared to bless those who hear his voice and respond to it. That's the way spiritual fruit is. It's like my peanuts. I planted a bunch of peanuts this year. I'm going to know, right? You can't see them. Like most plants, you can see the fruit. Peanuts, you can't see the fruit until you dig them up. You don't know what's there. But, but you know it's there, right? You see the flowers. You see the signs. You see the proof of the fruit. Verse 19. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. 
but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. This is how he illustrates, he uses his family as a living illustration, like my kids always hated when, when they were at home. That, Pastor, you're always telling our stories. Verse 20, someone told him, your mother and your brothers are waiting outside. They want to see you. Jesus said, my mother, my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Jesus, this is like, what? He says, no, no, my family are the ones who hear and obey God's word. That's my family. This kind of works against everything that, that we, we tell ourselves sometimes. We, we say we're all children of God. I even use that language sometimes, that we're, we're all children of God. When I say that, what I mean is that we were all created by the creator of the universe. That's what I mean by that. Spiritually, we're only children of God, according to Jesus. We're only brothers and sisters of Christ if we hear and obey God's word. Not everybody is a child of God. I know that that kind of makes some of us uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable. But only, only those who, like Jesus says, like, like my, my family are the ones who hear God's word and respond to it. Really listening, really hearing. Not, not saying you're perfect, but you're leaning in. You hear a story about seed on, a, on the ground and you're like, what is Jesus telling me? How, how, what, what? I don't, I'm leaning into the story, not like, oh yeah, I get it, seed grow. No, that's not the point of the story at all. It's like, just like my wife can tell when I'm listening and when I'm not. Just like my horses give me undeniable signs when they hear something, when they know there's danger, or when they know something is out of place. It's like my dogs know. Dog, singular. Knows when when somebody's missing. When we hear God's word, our hearing is measured by our obedience. My hearing, my obedience. My hearing, my obedience. What I'm why I'm repeating that is because to keep in step with the, with the parable here, in listening, I want you to listen. God wants us all to listen, but to remember that your soil is the only one you can till. You can't do it for somebody else. You, have to, you can only do it for you. You can encourage them. So how do we listen? To, how do we prepare ourselves to hear God's word so that when, when God's word is given out, that, that we respond to it, right? How do we do that? It's easy. Some of them we modeled today in our worship service before we, as we began, right? First, I say take different postures, four postures you can take. First, looking back to all that God has done in your life. Spend some time reflecting on what God has done, what he's promised and how he's delivered. Spend some time looking back. Then look out. Look out into the world where the needs are, where, what is broken, where God is missing. You want to hear God's voice? Look out and see what's around us. Don't, don't stare up into the stars all the time. But see the world around us where God is needed, in need. What are the needs? Look in. Look into our hearts. See where, you, where are you spiritually? Where, what sin needs to be confessed and repented, turned from? Be honest about that. Don't let the sin separate you from God and his grace. And finally, look up. Look back. Look out. Look in. 
and look up in awe of God. In awe of who God is, of how much He loves. We did that today in prayer as we, as we began with a, a prayer of adoration. That, that opening hymn was a, a song of adoration, of, of thanking God for His glory, right? And then we moved to a prayer of confession. We're confessing how we'd fallen short of God's glory in our, right now. And then in a few minutes, we're going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Praising God for all that He's done. If we do those, that rhythm, those postures, we incorporate that in our lives, we will be attuned to, to God moving in our lives. We'll become tilled soil, ready, prepared to receive what God wants to say to us. Today we're going to receive Holy Communion. And in that, and in that act of receiving Holy Communion, we, we actually, God breaks through a little bit. We do something active. We, we take part in God's grace. He interrupts the flow of life. I invite you to follow along today as we work through the liturgy together uh, for Easter. I believe the words are here on the screen. <clears throat> but if not, they're in, 